You can learn a lot by staring at the jerseys the Carolina basketball team is wearing at a practice. Like, for example, you can learn that maybe somebody you thought was a shoe-in for the starting five isn't actually a shoe-in for the starting five. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to get your best Tar Heels information every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. Well, quickly, before we get into today's conversation, pretty neat. North Carolina racked up another two ACC Player of the Week awards on Monday. Drake May was named ACC Quarterback of the Week, and Nate McCollum was once again named ACC Wide Receiver of the Week. That means in five weeks of action for the Tar Heels, there have been eight of them named ACC Player of the Week, including Nate McCollum twice and Cayman Rucker twice. Crazy stuff there. Now, coming up on today's show, I want to talk about how, you know, just mention Nate McCollum. I want to talk about the transfer players on the football team and how they're killing it, despite the fact that preseason, some ACC coaches were giving Carolina some crap about that. And then secondly, I want to, speaking of the transfer portal, some updates to that that we learned last week after all the voting from the D1 Council. We talked about it some on the show, but I want to give you the finalized updates and what's actually going to be happening this academic year, because we have that now. But first, uh, we haven't had yet an opportunity to talk about the basketball's media day on Friday. This is not the ACC-wide media day. This is just the media day that Carolina itself had making all 14 players available to the media, uh, gave media an opportunity to film some of practice, some things like that. So all 11 scholarship players and the three walk-ons all available for interviews and things of that nature. So um, hopefully you've been able to check that out. And what I want to talk about with that is there is obviously a lot to be learned. Anytime you get this kind of access where all the players are available, you're seeing footage from practice and you're checking on things. There is a lot to be learned, particularly this year with so many transfers and Elliot Cadeau and Zayden High coming in. But in particular today, I want to hone in on two things about Elliot Cadeau, specifically two assumptions that have been made quite a bit about Elliot. Number one, that he's a no-brainer starter. Uh, we've asked that question on this show. And I don't mind telling you I've received some pushback for suggesting that maybe Elliot wouldn't be a starter. And then secondly, I want to talk about the assumption that Elliot is a no-brainer, one-and-done player, that there's no way he's coming back. I've also talked about that and suggested about it as a possibility that he might be longer than a one-year player, right? Like until it happens, you just never know. And I don't mind telling you that I've received some pushback on that as well. And so today I want to talk a little bit more about both of those assumptions because we learned some more information about both of them at Friday's media day. And here it is. Neither one of these things is set in stone. Let me give you the first one. Number one, jersey colors matter. 
Friday's practice open to the media. And so hopefully you've watched some of this footage, some of the highlights, some of the interviews with the players. And if you, my friend, who's listening to or watching this episode, have a very discerning eye, you might have noticed some things just simply by looking at the jerseys that the young men were wearing. Traditionally, at Carolina, if you're not aware, at practice, these starters, the starting five, wears white jerseys. You know, they're reversible. They wear the white side. While the second team, or those not on the first team, I guess I should say, not on the, in the starting five, are the blue team, and they wear blue jerseys. So as you watched Friday's footage, if you saw it, who were the five players in white? Well, the expectation, the expected ones. RJ Davis, check. Armando Baycott, of course. You got those two guys. And then I think we all also probably assumed that we would see Harrison Ingram in white as part of the starting five, check. As well as Cormac Ryan, check. Those are the four to me that all along have been like, yeah, that's the assumption. But the fifth was not Elliot Cadeau. The fifth person wearing white on Friday was Paxson Wojcik. And so you had kind of a starting five of RJ Davis, Paxson Wojcik and Cormac Ryan on the wings, Harrison Ingram as a small ball four, and Elliot, or excuse me, and Armando Baycott, obviously at the five. Cadeau was wearing blue along with <clears throat> players like Jalen Washington, Zayden High, James Aconquo, uh, Creighton Lebo, Dewey Ferris, you know, the, uh, the rest of the guys. Now, here's the thing. What I'm suggesting here to you by just looking at these jerseys is that Elliot Cadeau is not currently part of the starting five. Now, let me give some caveats to that because I'm basing that off of 5, 10, 20 minutes of practice that we have gotten to see from footage. I want to talk more with Coach Rob about this when we chat this week uh, about what his thoughts about that are. Um, but I will say, this is not the first thing that I have heard that has been a rumbling to me that maybe Elliot won't start. There have been other whispers. Other people have reached out to say, hey, just keep your eye on this. This might be a thing. You need to know that that's a reality. And this is the first like visual evidence of the possibility of it. But here's the thing. This was out of practice. On Friday, October 6th, exactly one month to the day before Carolina's first game. A lot can change in that time if this, in fact, what we saw is the case. But who knows? This was just 20 minutes of open practice. It might have just been, hey, we really need Elliot and RJ to go up and down against each other. So we're not going to put them on the same team right now. Maybe Elliot typically is in a white jersey and coach Davis just doesn't want to give anything away. And so, you know, he's just trying to throw people off the scent a little bit or could even be a, a different, not even Elliot. Um, for example, Seth Trimble and Jalen Withers both were sitting out with uh, what has been termed as minor lower leg injuries. So it could be that ordinarily Jalen Withers is in there and Paxson Wojcik is out, not even Elliot part of that conversation. All this to say, it's noteworthy that at least right now, from what we saw on Friday, if the season had started today, it appears, appears, I'm not saying set in stone, I'm just saying it appears that Elliot would be coming off the bench. Now, am I saying 100% that's what's going to happen? I am not. Do not hear me say that. But what you do hear me say 
is that Elliot Cadeau is not a shoe-in to be in the starting lineup for the 23-24 Tar Heels, at least to start the season. That's all I'm trying to get across, and I just need you to hear me say that. So if you see live action Friday and he's, um, you know, well, they split that up differently, but the exhibition game against St. Augs, if Elliot Cadeau is not part of the starting five, I just don't want you to be shocked and appalled and dismayed and be like, what is going on? Things are all amiss. Nope. It just is what it is. Now, the second thing that I told you, the assumption we've been hearing a lot of people say, that to me is not a no-brainer, is the fact that Elliot Cadeau is one and done. Everyone is very concerned about who will be Carolina's point guard in the 24-25 season. You got Ian Jackson coming in. You got Drake Powell coming in. What's going to happen? RJ's a senior. He's going to be gone. Elliot Cadeau's clearly a one and done. He's going to be gone. Ah, not so fast, my fine feathered friends. Here's why I say it. R.L. Bynum, um, who's part of the media that cover, he does Tar Heel Tribune, if you ever see that, that's R.L. He just straight up asked Elliot in his interview about his mindset for next offseason and how he's processing the possibility of coming back to Chapel Hill for a sophomore year or the possibility of moving on to professional opportunities. Here's what Elliot said back to him. This is essentially the quote. Quote, one of the main parts of reclassing was to take pressure off me. Coming in a year early, there's no pressure to come in and come out. I'm kind of on like a two-year plan. So if I feel like I'm not ready, I'll just stay here another year and have another great team with Ian and Drake. That's straight from Elliot Cadeau's mouth. You can go look it up on YouTube. Tar Heel Tribune, Elliot Cadeau interview. Is right there. He says every bit of what I just said. So you need to know straight from Elliot's mouth. This isn't this isn't even me um, postulating things based on jersey colors. This is actually what Elliot said. That it, there is no foregone conclusion that he's gone after this year. So you need to know that and you need to hear it. Now, what's going to happen this year? I don't know. How's he going to perform? I don't know. How are NBA scouts going to view him and see what he does? I'm not sure. But we're going to find that out over the course of the next several months. But what you do need to know right now is that Elliot Cadeau could very well be back for a sophomore year. And keep this in mind. There's nothing to say that R.J. Davis can't come back for one more year because he's still got that year of COVID eligibility. So you could get two years of a backcourt with R.J. Davis and Elliot Cadeau. Just wrap your brain around that a little bit. That's pretty wild. But seriously, I, I love this about Elliot, this willingness to be open to the process of, of growing, developing, being under Marcus Page, learning from RJ and Cormac Ryan and Paxson Wojcik. He talked a lot about that, of learning from all these guards, learning from Cole Anthony and others that he's worked with. And so speaking of Marcus, it's so weird to hear Elliot say, Coach Marcus, I'm still getting used to that. But both of these things, the foregone conclusion that Elliot Cadeau will be a starter this year, is not a foregone conclusion. The foregone conclusion that Elliot Cadeau will be a one and done this year is not a foregone conclusion. If we can all embrace that, we're going to be on great footing together. But I just need you to, to hear it and hear me say it. Next, I want to talk about the transfers on the football team and how well they have been doing. Of course, we got one of them in the game for the first time back and available. Not back because we never had him, but available now, obviously, Tez Walker. But there was a little bit of shade not me shade, a little bit of shade thrown from some anonymous ACC coach preseason. And I actually want to lean into it a little bit because I think it's a good thing for the Tar Heels. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, 
I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select players' projections up to 25% to provide you even more value. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and CFB top 25 matchups, you got a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player gets rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Seriously, this thing is so easy to do. You pick two or more players and choose more or less than the stat that's given to you. I was laughing on Sunday, laughing hysterically, looking at some of the options. Here's a great example. Patrick Mahomes, more or less than 155 and a half passing yards. I'm taking more on that every time. He's only been uh, under that. The only time that I could find was October 2019. Patrick Mahomes is always throwing for more than 155 and a half yards. Take the more on that. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Want to remind all of you that coming up on Friday is Locked On College Football Kickoff live from 11 a.m. till noon Eastern, getting you ready for this weekend of college football. You know it's another massive game for the Tar Heels, probably the biggest on the schedule so far. Miami's coming to town fresh off of that embarrassment against Georgia Tech on Saturday. Locked On College Football Kickoff live right here on the Locked On Tar Heels YouTube channel. Make sure you check it out. So, uh, North Carolina, quote-unquote, transfer you we'll take it let me explain back in early august in fact august 1st to be precise athlon sports um published an acc coaches anonymous article and basically it was outlining each acc team and some thoughts from other acc coaches they were all anonymous so that the coaches could say things that they truly felt without fear of reprisal i I love these kind of exercises Um, Because you hear things that you otherwise wouldn't. Well, there were a lot of them about the Tar Heels talking about, you know, Tar Heels might have more question marks than anyone in the conference. They they didn't have any dudes in the defense, and I don't see them getting any more. All this stuff, which is kind of funny because the defense is vastly improved. Anyway, the one that really stuck out to me was this, quote, the knock on them, the Tar Heels, in coaching circles is that they've become, quote, transfer you, end quote. Okay, good. I don't see why this is the bat. Why are you trying to paint this as a negative thing, random ACC coach? Because you know what? Five games into this season, it doesn't seem to be such a bad thing to me. But I also think it's a misnomer because Mac Brown has continued to recruit at a high level, especially for Carolina standards, from the high school ranks. Now, he, he's filling things. He's backfilling. Um, where guys transfer out and you need guys to transfer in, great. Where some of that talent hasn't yet risen to the level you expect it to, great. Let's go out and get some guys. So criticize us all you want, random ACC coach calling us transfer you. But if recruits hear that or you know potential transfer targets hear that and they want to come be part of it, catch some balls from Drake May, well, they won't anymore after this year. But awesome, let's go get them. 
That's a huge win. Carolina is reaping clear benefits from that right now. And let's be honest, in this day and age, this is how you have to operate, at least to some extent. And if you can't do that or you won't do that, you're going to miss out on high-level, experienced college football players. And we're specifically talking football right now because that's what this anonymous coaches uh, thing was about. But these guys who could come in and make a difference right here, right now. And some of them you could even have for a couple years. Now, with recruiting out of the transfer portal, is there a concern about like recruiting over guys that are already in, in your program? Yes, 100%. That's something that Mac Brown has to be very mindful of and careful about. But my goodness, if Mac Brown isn't the coach you want helping sell uh, his current team on transfers that are coming in and how it's going to make the team better, I don't know who is because Mac Brown can convince anybody of anything. You know, I think whatever one of those phrases is like he could sell life insurance to a dead person or something like that. You know, I, I don't know what phrases, but seriously, think about like three of the highest level transfers Carolina has this year. Elijah Huzzy. You kidding me? Homie has three interceptions. To me, he's the leader of the secondary. And I haven't really thought about this until right now as I'm saying it, but Carolina really feels like they've established a leader of each of the three main defensive groups. It's always been said gray in the linebacking core, although Power Eccles is right there um, and statistically doing everything. But I think it's Elijah Huzzy is the leader of the secondary, said gray, the leader of the linebackers, and my man Cayman Rucker. He's the leader of that defensive line, the heart and soul of it. Pretty cool that you got somebody you really feel like is a leader at each of those three levels. But Elijah Huzzy, transfer you? Come on in, homie. I need more of that. I trust him implicitly. What about Tez Walker? You know everything you need to know about Tez Walker, the whole story coming in, and he's back now. And look what he did Saturday with nothing more than a Friday walkthrough to prepare himself for that game. Imagine what's going to happen against Miami or Virginia or Georgia Tech, these games coming up when he's actually had a couple weeks to practice and get comfortable with the team and what that does for spreading the wealth around to everybody. Yeah, transfer you, I'm into it. Or what about Nate McCollum? Holy smokes, this dude's leading the Tar Heels in receiving yards per game and in total receiving yards. And especially now that Tez Walker's in is going to take even more of the... Um, uh, just like distraction off of Nate where you can't cover him as much. It's just going to keep growing y'all. I'm telling you, it's going to be incredible. You got the tight ends, Copenhaver and Morales and Nesbitt. You got all these other receivers, Kobe Pesor, JJ Jones, Glavin Blackwell coming back from injury green. Like it's growing, man. So you're going to, you're going to bash us with transfer you. I say to the contrary. To me, let's let's own it as a compliment and one that Carolina should lean into. Now, again, you got to balance high school recruiting and transfer portal. But if you if you want to give us that, we will certainly take it. Um, so there you go. I I don't know why somebody wants to try to do that, but I thank you for it, and I think that's what Carolina should embrace. Now, um, just another quick football note. Many have asked because. Right now, you got these three undefeated teams, Florida State, Louisville, and North Carolina. And it's like, what happens if all three of those are still undefeated at the end of the season? Does the ACC have tiebreakers for that? Several people have asked me this recently. And the answer is yes. The ACC has put out tiebreakers for the potentiality of a three-way tie 
with all three of those teams vying for the ACC championship game. In fact, there are seven tiebreakers in that scenario to decide who those teams are. I'm not going to go into it right now because it doesn't matter yet. We've still got so many weeks of the season and there are going to be losses. I'm just telling you. Now, there might still be a tie at the end of the season, but we'll just have to wait and see. And if we get to that point, I'll explain it, but no need right now. Just know that there are tie-breaking principles that will take care of things. Speaking of all these transfers we've just been talking about, you recall that recently we we were discussing the transfer portal, the possible reduction of how long it would be be open. All of that's gone through. I want to make sure you're aware of it and give you something that still frustrates me about it. Like I still think there is, is more adjustment that needs to be made, and I'm hoping that the D1 Council will continue to do that. We'll look into it in just a second, but first I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Jace Medical. I don't know about you, but life's so busy and it's hard for me to find time to go to the doctor for the antibiotics I need. In fact, right now, I've got this cough developing. That's why I'm drinking so much water right now. I need to do better about drinking water all the time, truthfully, but uh, like I, I probably should have some medicine and I don't have time to go to the doctor. Or, you know, if there's issues like storms or shortages or pandemics or supply chain issues, you need to be prepared now more than ever. And everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. It's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Doctor created, doctor recommended, Jace Medical. All right. Last week, the D1 Council approved changes to the transfer portal window, effectively shrinking it down from where it was that 60 days across the board last year. I want to give you the key things that you need to know with the adjustments and then my thoughts, because these go into effect immediately right now, like as soon as this football season is over and the other fall sports, it will be a thing. So first, a couple words about length and duration of the transfer portal windows. The initial thing we were hearing is that it would be sliced in half from 60 down to 30 days. That was not the case. Um, that, that 30 days is what the council was hoping to do. But they, they heard from the student athlete advisory committee that they would rather have a 45 day window to give enough time for student athletes to make up their minds, make a rational decision, all that kind of stuff. So after that pushback, that is what was landed on was a reduction from instead of 60 to 30, 60 to 45. And so uh, continuing on in the same way that it has been for um, football, that's 45 total days. For men's and women's basketball, that's 45 consecutive days. We'll talk about more, more on that in just a second, the specificity of what that is. Because the other thing with this is the start date. We were wondering if there would be changes to the start date, and there really aren't. With football, it's a 30-day window starting the Monday after the FBS Conference Championship Games or the day after we get all the bowl announcements and the CFP announcement. However, and here's some good news, for the teams competing in the postseason, whether that's the CFP, 
the FCS championships or bowl games, there will be an additional five day transfer window following the completion of their game or games if they're in the playoffs. Um, so for that here, let me give you the specific dates for, for this year. The conference championship games are Saturday, December 2nd. The bowls and the CFP will be announced on Sunday, December 3rd. And so that means that on Monday, December 4th is when the transfer portal would open. And that means that the 30 day mark then is Tuesday, January 2nd. So happy new year is the closing of the transfer portal. That's going to be interesting. And then the other 15 days will be May 1 to 15, kind of like it was now. You might recall it was in the 60-day thing when it was split, it was 45 and 15. So same thing there. Now for basketball, it's not changing at all um, other than the duration. The basketball portal will open the day after Selection Sunday. So you got Selection Sunday and on Monday, the transfer portal opens. So this coming year in 2024, that's going to be March 18th, Selection Sunday. You can mark your calendar is March 17th. And day 45 following that is Wednesday, May 1st. So to the day, that's when it will end. And then so that's when the football portal opens back up. Interesting. And then in terms of all the other sports, here's what they're doing. Fall sports has 30 days in the fall, beginning seven days after a sports championship selection and 15 days in the spring, that May 1 through 15. Winter sports will be 45 consecutive days, beginning seven days after the championship selection. So um, for both of these, for example, that would mean after selection Sunday, it would be one week later, the portal would open. And then spring sports, same kind of thing as the fall, 30 days in the spring, beginning seven days, again, after a sports championship selection and 15 days in the fall, December 1 through 15. So spring sports, for example, the day after the basketball, or excuse me, the baseball NCAA tournament is announced, you got a week and then it opens up for 30 days. Um, also helpful, we got some, some updates on grad transfer windows and those guidelines, because remember, it's been all summer. Grad transfers can just basically do what they want. There hasn't been uh, a specific window closing, but they're going to start doing that on May 1st for fall and winter sports and July 1st for spring sports. And then beginning next academic year, 24-25, grad students seeking post-grad eligibility waivers will be uh, having to adhere to that same thing. So anyway, a little more structure around grant, grad transfer uh, eligibilities as well. Here's my frustration, what it continues to be. I don't really care about the duration. Open it for 30 days or 45 or 60. I don't really care. What frustrates me specifically for college basketball is I feel like they keep getting the shaft on this thing with when it starts because they even made concessions for football, allowing teams that compete to have five extra days after their season's over. You hear all these other non-football, non-basketball sports they get a seven-day buffer after their championship selections are made. Why can't basketball get that? It doesn't make sense. Why, why can we not afford that to these 68 teams that are in the NCAA tournament, the 32 of the NIT and the CBI and all that? That just makes sense. I'm going to continue to bang the drum of, and, and seven honestly isn't even enough for me. I want it to open after the NCAA tournament is over. Like 30 days later, how I guess it'd be 21 because it's through anyway. Later, it needs to be longer. That continues to be my frustration. Now, again, we're only just a couple years into this thing. The D1 Council is going to continue to look at it and see what's best. I just 
I just don't like it being open, uh, opening the day after selection Sunday. It just makes no sense to me and is not fair to coaches and athletes who are participating in the event. Got to get this fixed. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Follow the show at Locked on Heels. You can email the show for more in-depth questions or conversations, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. You can also join our Discord, this great and growing community of Locked on Tar Heels folks. So fun. If you want to join that, the link to it is in the show notes, whether you're listening or watching to the show. Speaking of which, we'd love it if you would subscribe to the show. That helps spread the word and uh, get you um, in as soon as new episodes drop. You can do that on audio or video formats. You can also smash the like button to let us know you're here. That does us a big favor if you're watching on YouTube. And also, I'd love to hear your comments on today's episode. Friends, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk again tomorrow with Coach Pat Kilby. But until then, peace. Peace.